God and you need to be in that fullness. Would you just begin to come all over this place? We pray that as you listen to this message, you will be challenged and encouraged through God's word. Here at Heart Seas Family Life Church, it has always been our desire to see people's lives totally impacted and changed. His word promises to accomplish that. For more information in regards to our church, you can call us at 225-274-1607 or visit us on the web at www.hflc.us. We look forward to hearing from you. Be blessed now as you listen to God's word. The desire and the goal that we have through this series is to see every one of you trade your if-onlys, the regrets of your life, and we all have those things, for the God-what-if possibilities. Let me say that one more time. We want to see you trade your if-only regrets for your God-what-if possibilities. You see, if is the, condu- is the conditional conjunction that turns God's eternal promises into our present realities. I've got to say that one more time. It's the conditional conjunction, how we use it, that turns God's eternal promises into our present reality. On Wednesday, we began by laying some really important groundwork. And please, we want to invite every one of you. You need to be with us every Wednesday. We have a great time on Wednesday nights, and if not even for your life. And I'm telling you, as a parent, you're going to prosper and you're going to be blessed. But for the sake of your children, to be a part of a great kids club where they're teaching them and training them the ways of God, an incredible youth, wave youth that meets every Wednesday night. You need to make every effort to be here so your kids can get the Word of God too. But on Wednesday, we discovered some truths and some things. And one of the things we realized is this, when we get to the end of our life, if we're laying on our deathbed, how that's going to sound is like this. We're going to regret more the things we didn't do than the things we did do and wished we hadn't done. And we all have those. We've all got a long list of those things that we've done that we wished we hadn't done. Come on, you look back in your life and you look at the things you've done and now you ask yourself, what was I thinking? That is crazy. What was I thinking? What about the things I've said? And so many of those things and we're like, man, that was really dumb. If I'd have realized the hurt and the pain that would have inflicted on those who were near to dear to me, I would have just kept my mouth shut. I would have stopped those words from ever coming out. What about old pictures? Have you ever looked at old pictures of yourself? Talk about regrets. What was I thinking? I thought that looked cool. That hairstyle was good. I mean, what? Kind of crazy as you look back. And how did we ever think things like that looked good? But you know, they tell us the ratio is this. 84 to 16. 84 to 16%. What do I mean by that? We will be 84% of the time reminded and living 
in the things that we have not done, the inactions of our life, and 16% of the time reminded of our stupidity, because let's sum it up as it is. Those things that were stupid, dumb, ignorant, that we wished we would have never done. So the regrets of our life are not going to be what we really did, but the regrets of our lives are going to be what we never did. What we never did. And we look at, again, the percentage, 84 and 16. Why is the percentage less of the things we've done rather than the things that we haven't done? I think the reason is twofold. I believe the reason is this, God and Satan. The reason is God and Satan. Let's start with God first. 1 John 1 verse 9 says this. It says, if we confess our sins. Notice the first word, if. That's that conditional conjunction. If we confess our sins, God is faithful and just to forgive us of all of our sins. And what? What does it say? And to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. So those silly things that we've done, the sins of our life, God forgives what we confess. God's word is very clear. He forgives what we confess. We hold on to the memories of those things, but we don't have to hold on to the guilt of those things. We remember those things, but we don't have to be bound and subjected by those things. They're not a curse over our lives anymore because the Bible speaks in Romans. He became the curse. He broke the curse so we can live in freedom. Oh, the memories can be good at times because it can remind us of the pain we inflicted, not only upon our lives, but other people. We don't want to be there in the future, but I don't have to carry the guilt of the past any longer because he became that guilt and forgiveness from me. Let me give you another awesome verse. Did I say it was an awesome verse? This is a good one. This is a good one. Romans 8 verse 1. Therefore, or there is therefore now no condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. That's salvation. That's the forgiveness of God. That's His grace and mercy. We don't have to be in condemnation any longer. But it goes on. And unfortunately, so many Christians stop right there at salvation and say, Woo, I've got it. I'm going to heaven. That's great. Thank God you're going to heaven. But you've still got to live here on this earth. Let me say that one more time. Thank God you're going to heaven. But you need to be living in the victory of God every day of your life here on this earth. And God said, oh, there's no condemnation to those who are saved in Christ. But then he goes on and talks about the freedom that we can have in Christ. He says, for those who do not walk according to the flesh. Listen to me today. Many of us give our lives to Christ and go out and just do the exact same things. We continue to walk the same way. We continue to talk the same way. We continue to think the same way. We choose to live the same way. But God says, oh, there's no condemnation to those who are saved, but also to those who don't walk like they used to be. But now they walk what? According to the Spirit, capitalized according to the way of God. Come on, our message this morning is we're going to be some spirit walking. Come on, we're, we're going to do some spirit walking in our life. We've, we've done too much flesh walking. We're, we've, we've walked too long in the flesh. We're going to start walking in the Spirit. That doesn't make us weird. That doesn't make us crazy. That just means we're living in freedom. 
That just means we're living free each and every day. I don't have to wake up another day feeling oppressed and down and carrying the guilt of my past. But I can walk in the Spirit of God each and every day and see the life of God lived out through my life. I love how the Message Bible presents this. It's a paraphrased version of the translation that we read. But listen to it. It says, with the arrival of Jesus, the Messiah... That fateful dilemma is resolved. Those who enter into Christ's being here for us are no longer have to live under a, condi- under a continuous, low-lying black cloud. Because a new power is in operation. I like that. There's a new sheriff in Dodge. Come on, there's a new sheriff in Dodge. Come on, there's a new sheriff in town. So through Christ... There's forgiveness from those things that we have done. Many of them. There is the forgiveness of God. And I believe that's what makes them less of a problem for us in the future. Because when we've given them to God, there's forgiveness in God. But remember we said there was two reasons why the ratio was such. God, because of the things we've done, don't carry the guilt and the stigma so much. is because of God's forgiveness. But then there's the other side, Satan. What is Satan's number one goal? His number one goal is to bring you into a state of condemnation. He wants to destroy your life. He wants to remind you of the things you haven't done. And he also wants to remind you too of the things that you have done. We said this on Wednesday. It's old, but it's still a good one. When Satan reminds you of your past, start reminding him of his future. He's alive. You want to know the enemy's lying if his lips are moving. He's lying. He's incapable of telling you the truth. But we've got to give him some credit. What? Give the devil credit? Yes. You've got to give him credit that he's two things. He's very persistent and he's very patient. He will persistently come every day and throughout the day and he's patient. He will wait to seize the opportunities of our life. And that's the condemnation he brings because he wants to imprison us within our regret. To imprison us in our if-onlys so we won't see the what-if possibilities that are still available in God for your life. So you've got to ask yourself a question. You've got to say this question. Are you ready? Is God the God of regrets or is God the God of new horizons and possibilities? What is He? Is He the God of, oh my, we blew it. What are we going to do now? Or is He the God of new horizons? No matter what we've done past tense, there's a present today and there's a future ongoing in Him. I want to tell you right now, God's not the God of regrets. God is the God of your new horizons and your new possibilities. Yes, we've all messed up. Yes, we've all failed to do. Yes, we've all failed to be. But God, come on, say with me, but God, but God, but God still forgives us and His grace and mercy is available to us. And I'm so thankful today He doesn't offer me a second chance because I blew that one a long time ago. I'm so glad that in His grace and mercy, He offers us another chance. He offers us another opportunity today that we can walk in the freedom and liberty. And here's where we left Wednesday night. We had a good time Wednesday night. Did I tell you that? We had a good time. Have a good time every Wednesday night. Just a shame you're not there with us. But that's going to change this week. Amen, amen, amen. 
Romans 8.31, what shall we say to these things? You can add your things in there. What shall I say to the wrong words, to the wrong thoughts, to the wrong actions, the things I haven't done, the things I wished I had done, the failures, the regrets, the mistakes? What am I going to say to those things? Here's the answer. If God is for us, who can be against? Man, I'm I'm just going to get excited in the house today. I'm just going to have church up here all by myself. If you're not going to help me in the house. I'll just praise God anyway. Let me just say sorry for right now because I'm just going to praise him anyway. Because if God is for me, nothing can stand against me. The failures of my past, the mistakes, the regrets of things I didn't do. Come on, God has set me free from those things. And today's a new day. Today is a new opportunity. If God is for us, you see the question's not on God. The question's not on God. It's not if God is for us. Because that implies the thought of, well, God can be against us. The question is not on God. The question lies with what we choose to do with God. If we choose to make Him our Lord and Savior or not, that's the question. It's not on God because God is able to do exceedingly abundantly above and beyond everything that we could ask or even imagine or think in our wildest dreams. That's the God that we serve. But are we serving Him? That's the question. Because if we're walking in the flesh, we're not fulfilling the life and the way of God. And really that verse, if we are letting God be the God of our life, that verse really should be written this way. Are you ready? Who can be against us? For God is for you. Who can be against you? For God is for you. God is for you. The Message Bible, verse 8, or chapter 8, verse 31. So what do you think? With God on our side, with God on our side, make it personal right now, with God on my side, with God right there with me, how can I lose? You're not going to lose. When God is for you, it doesn't matter what comes against you. And it doesn't matter what comes against you if God is for you. I'm going to say that one more time. When God is for you, it doesn't matter what the enemy may throw against you. Because when God is for you, all hell can break loose. Everything can be falling all around you. The enemy can be heaping condemnation upon you. But you can still hold your head up high and say, hold on a second. Let me remind you that God is for me. That God died for me and I can have victory and I can live in His power. The if only regrets. We're turning around to the what if God possibilities. That God can do in and through your life. 1 John 4, 4. It gets better. Are you ready? You are of God. You are of God, little children. And you have overcome them. Because he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. I've got to remind you today of the difference between religion and relationship. A lot of people are in a religious relationship with God. I want to be in a Christian relationship with God. I want to be in a love relationship with God. Because religion is all about what you can do for God. 
You can go to church, you can pay your penance, you can do, 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 do. Religion is all about what you do. And Jesus knocked that on the head. He said, the wages of sin is death. The gift of God. He says this, for all have sinned and fallen way short of the glory of God. Meaning what? Religion's not going to cut it because we've all fallen so way short. That there's nothing that we can do to earn our way to Christ. Where Christianity, a relationship with Christ, is about this. It's not about what you have to do. It's not about what you have done. It's all about what Christ has done. It's about what Christ has done. Christianity is what Christ has done for you. And now, plainly meaning this, that you and I can be free in him, knowing that God is for you. Remember the Christmas story. Feels months ago now, isn't it? It's hard to believe we're in March already. Remember the angels came to Mary and she was afraid and they said, don't be afraid. And Then they came to Joseph and they warned him and said, everything's going to be okay. Everything is going to be good. They've gone on a donkey ride to Bethlehem. Last thing you want to do if you're pregnant. They get to Bethlehem, there's no room in the inn, we have a stable, we have a manger for the birth. I mean, that's all we have, the Messiah, Christ is born in a lonely manger. And then there were shepherds in the field. Anyone remember the shepherds in the field? What did the angels say to the shepherds? What was the first announcement of Christ? It was the first address to the world of this Christ child that had been born to this world. After telling the shepherds not to fear, and you've got to remember this, fear comes from a faulty understanding of God's intentions. If you are afraid of God, it's because you've got a faulty understanding of God's intentions for your life, or you've got the false assumption that God is against your life. Because God says in His Word, I haven't given you fear. There's nothing about me that should strike fear and terror into your heart. Oh, there's an awe and respect and an honor fear. But there shouldn't be a fear as being a terrified. So we've got to watch that we have the wrong understanding of God and what He is for our lives. But look what the angels say. Luke 2 verse 10. Do not be afraid, for behold, I give you good tidings of great joy which will to be to all people. Jump down to verse 14. For glory to God in the highest and on earth, peace and good will towards all men. Peace and good will. What an announcement that Christ has come to this world to bring peace to lives and to bring good will towards man. That doesn't show me a God that's against me. That shows from the beginning a God whose will is for you. I've got peace and I've got goodwill for you, for your family, for your future, for your lives. It doesn't matter what the enemy says. The announcement of Christ is still the announcement that is shown to every one of us that God's still a God that has goodwill towards you, that he loves you and he's for you. He's in your corner and he came to live and to die And then to live again, all just for you. You see, the crucifixion spends or spells the ends of our if-only regrets. And the resurrection spells the beginning of the what-if possibilities. I wonder today how our lives would be if you and I rejected everything about God that wasn't God and accepted Him exactly for who He is. 
Because a lot of the things we think of God is not really God. So what if we could reject those things that we've labeled as God and just know Him as He really is instead of trying to figure it all out and just taking Him at His word? I wonder what it would be like to reject the wrong and just if we grabbed hold of the truth. I really believe someone's here today, you need to hear this, God is for you. God is for you, despite it all, because He took your sins past present and future when he died upon a cross when he said it is finished he has covered it for your life he cried out it is finished an old word in the Hebrew or the Greek I believe it is it's telestai it's an old accounting term and what that literally means is paid in full the debt is paid in full. When he hung upon a cross, he said, every regret, every pain, every thought, every action of your life, I have paid the penalty for it once and for all. All you got to do is just walk in that. You just got to live in that. You just got to accept that and be that. Yet so many of us live under the weight of sin. So many of us still live under the condemnation and guilt. Too many Christians are not spirit walking. They're not walking in the spirit. They're walking in the flesh. So many Christians consciously or subconsciously are prisoners of their past. Even after confessing Christ as Lord and Savior and confessing their sins, they're still feeling the condemnation and the guilt. A feeling that will undermine the fact that God is for your life. So we'll keep beating ourselves up and we'll keep sabotaging our future and we'll keep believing the self-defeating lies that comes from the enemy. You want an exit today? You want to leave your old person today? Here's your exit. You've got to start walking in the Spirit. You've got to be a spirit walker Today, you've got to accept and understand and believe that there is Romans 8 verse 1 now, right now, right now, today, this moment. No condemnation to those who are in Christ Jesus. I'm not walking the old way. I'm not thinking the old thoughts any longer. Oh, they're still going to try and come and they're trying to tempt me and they're trying to steer me back. But I'm asking God to renew my mind. I'm asking God to give me a new word. I'm I'm asking God to give me a new life. I'm asking God to give me a new marriage. And I'm not talking about a new husband or a wife. I'm asking God to change me so I can be the new person in my marriage, in my home, in my families. I'm asking God to give me a new attitude when I walk into my work. Instead of feeling miserable and gloom and despair, I can throw the doors open every day and say, watch out, God is in the house. Because we can carry the Spirit of God. Because when we walk in His Spirit, we carry His presence with us everywhere we go. All your work needs is the presence of God. All your family needs is the presence of God. All Baton Rouge needs is the presence of God. All America needs is once again the presence of God. All the church needs is the presence of God once again. To get out of the flesh and get into the Spirit of God. We've got to stop living there and start living now. Where's you there? You know where you're there is. You've got to stop living there. And you've got to start living now. 
You got to leave the regrets and walk into your possibilities through God. Listen, here's how we define ourselves. Look at this. We define ourselves by what we've done wrong. Instead of defining ourselves by what Christ has done right. What's your definition? What's your label? Can I show you how this works today? Can I show you Jim, Kerry, Keisha, Kerry, Kelly, come and stand up here right on this step for me, can you? I'm picking them today because some of the labels that we're going to have today are not great. So I just want them to be the ones that take it, not you. Come on, stand up here. Stand on this step. Stand up high, 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 high. Cara's going to give you a label. Just hold it up. Hold it right in front of you. Hold it right there. Notice this. Here's where we are. Too many of us define ourselves by what we have done wrong. Sorry, whatever label you have. I apologize. That's why I let my lead team come up here. They've got thick skin. They can handle it. But we define ourselves too many times by the wrong things that we have done. What can those things be? They can be I'm divorced. It can be a stigma. It can be a label that they live under. It can be I was abused as a child and now I'm struggling to break that. And that's the label not only has people put on me, but I'm carrying every day through my decisions. I'm carrying that label. I can be an addict. I can be addicted. And every day I'm trying to break free, but the enemy's telling me and I'm looking at I can be an adulterer. I've maybe messed up and I've done the wrong things and I can carry those labels. How often do we carry those labels through life each and every day? But here's the question I want to ask you today. How does God see you? Does God see you as an adulterer? Come on, does God see you as an addict? Come on, does God see you as abused? Does God see you as divorced? I didn't ask you how you see you. I didn't say, how do you see you? I didn't say, how do other people see you? What of other people? Because everyone wants to put that label on you. They want to label you as those. They want to, they, they want to help the enemy in your life. I didn't ask, what do you think? What do you see? I asked today, what does God see? Is that the label God has for your life? Can I remind you today from God's word, Isaiah 61 verse 3? He says, I have given you beauty for ashes. This is a prophecy of Christ. This is speaking of Christ coming 700 plus years before he was even born. Isaiah gave this prophecy of what Christ would do for your life and for my life. He says, I want to give you beauty for your ashes. I want to give you the oil of joy for your mourning. I want to give you a garment of praise for the spirit of heaviness that you may be called. Listen, you may have a new name, a new label, a new identity because you are now called trees of righteous. You are now called righteous in God. In right standing with God, you are the planting of the Lord that you may be called righteous, that you may be called godly. Turn your card right now. Because I'm not an adulterer. What am I now? Come on, I'm his choice. I'm his child. I'm special to Him. I'm not an addict any longer. I'm free because whom the Son sets free is free indeed. I'm not abused anymore. Come on, I'm loved. There you go. Couldn't remember. I'm not divorced any longer. I'm chosen by God. I'm the chosen and the elect of God. Why? Because God wants to take my grave clothes of sin off of me and He wants to clothe you in the new garments of salvation. God not only gives you a new name. God not only gives you a new identity. God gives you a new destiny. 
a new hope, a new future, a new glorious one in Him. Thank you guys, I appreciate that. He gives you a new name. Can you remember Lazarus? If you don't know the story, I'll just share it quickly. Lazarus is dead. He's a friend of Jesus. He's been dead. And he's in a tomb. It's not going well because he's dead. It's not good. If Jesus would have been there, everything would have been okay. Jesus doesn't show up. Jesus has time to show up. He doesn't. Why? Have you ever asked the wise of Jesus? Got to watch the wise because the wise can make us miss the person of Jesus. Can make us question and go back to, if God is for me. No, he's for you. He's for you. He loves you. He's right there. In the shortest verse of the Bible, John eleven thirty five. Jesus comes to the scene. And the Bible says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. That's, that's been a good verse for me in the years to come. I'm telling you, just Sunday school and sunshine corners, we used to call it. Anyone have a memory verse? 40 points for your team. I put my hand up. John eleven thirty five. Jesus wept. It's in the Bible. Don't knock me. Don't knock me. Got plenty points for that. I think they wised up in the end and said, any other verse apart from John eleven thirty five? Still a good one. Still a good one. But Jesus the people around, when they see Jesus weep and they say these words, wow, he must have really loved him. But again, the question, if he really loved them, why did he not show up? <laughs> the enemy would tell you that if Jesus really loved you. Then why the pain? Why the problems? Why the heart? Again, remember, if the enemy's lips are moving, he's lying. You don't listen to that voice. You listen to the voice of God. Jesus commands Lazarus to come out. He prays a prayer and he commands him to come out. Look what it says, John 11, 43 and 44. It says this, and he cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. I'm glad he shouted Lazarus because if he would have just said come forth, there would have been a whole walk-in reunion. It would have been what the, the, the zombies or whatever they call them right now, the walking dead, that would, that would have been happening. It would have been taking place right there, right there. Jesus cried out with a loud voice, Lazarus, come forth. And he who had died came out. But notice this. How did he come out? He came out bound hand and foot with the grave clothes. And his face was wrapped with a cloth. It's a picture of too many Christians today. I'm saved, I'm alive, but I'm still bound. still carrying the grave clothes. I'm still carrying the images, the labels. I'm not living in the freedom. I'm not living in the power of God. Incidentally, they're teaching this to your kids today, so you better be asking your kids today about what they learned. They're wrapping people up with toilet tissue. They're having fun in the house today. Too many Christians like this. Still bad. But what did Jesus say to them? What did Jesus say to the people around? Loose him. And let him go. Loose him and let him. I, I believe that's a word for you today. I believe that's a word for your experiences, your life, your circumstances. It's time to be loosed from the regrets of your past. It's time that you don't come in church every Sunday and you wish you could praise God, but you can't get your hand up even if you want to because you're bound. The enemies oppressed you and tormented you this week that you're feeling completely defeated. If only, if only, if only, if only. I'm telling you right now, God didn't just come for you to have life. He came for you to have life of abundance. He came for you to live free. It's time to let go today and step into the possibilities of God. 
Look at the lady who was caught in the act of adultery. What did Jesus say to her in her situation? So misquoted today by people to say, oh, if God's a God of love, then he forgave everyone. Yes, he did, but you've got to see the criteria also. Look what God says in John 8, verse 7. He says, he who is without sin, to all those that were accusing her, he said, if you're without sin, you throw the first stone. He didn't hear stones being thrown. He heard stones being dropped. Because one after the other, they started dropping their stones and left. Only she was left. And only Jesus was left. Verse 10 and 11. Jesus looks at her and says, Woman, where are your accusers? Where's all those people who accused you? Has no one condemned you? And she says, no one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, neither do I condemn you. But you've got to be a spirit walker. You've got to walk in the spirit. Because yes, Jesus forgave her, but he gave her strict instructions. He says, now you go and sin. You don't walk after the flesh any longer. You don't fulfill the lust of the flesh any longer, girl. You're you're better than that. You're greater than that. That's who you were. That's the label. We're turning around, giving you a new identity, a new name, and a new purpose, and a new destiny today. He says, go and sin no longer. Don't walk the same. Don't stay the way. Listen, he changed her, if only regret. What was her regret? If only... If only I hadn't have done what I did last night, I wouldn't be here today. But God turned it around to a what if possibility. Go and sin no more. The future that there is in Christ. While the religious leaders and the Pharisees were writing her off, Jesus was writing her in. He was writing her in. He was writing her in. You've got to let go today. You've got to let go of the regrets and the if-onlys and the things that can plague us so much more than even the wrong things that we've done, the things that we know we need to be doing but we haven't done. We've got to let go of those things so we can grab a hold of His life, His plan, His purpose, His possibility and His destiny. We've got to start walking every day in the Spirit. Now, I didn't say we were going to be perfect. We're still going to mess up. But He's going to be there with us, helping us and giving us strength each and every day. And that's why it's a daily walk because I need Him every day. When I wake up, I say, Jesus, help me before I put my feet on the floor. I pray throughout the day, God, help me to do the right thing. It's been said that God got the children of Israel out of Egypt in one day. But it took him 40 years to get Egypt out of them. God can give you life in a moment. But we can still be in the bondage, just like the children of Israel were for 40 years, walking around. Were they God's people? Yes, they were. Were they doing what God instructed them to do? No, they weren't. As a result, they are living in a bondage each and every day. And let's be tough. Let's be honest, rather. It's tough when you've been living a certain way for a long time. It's tough when that's your go-to. When problems come, the bottle is your crutch. It's tough that you fall back to those things because that's your escape. That's your way you deal with it. That's your mask for the pain. That's where you handle those things. It can be tough when you're used to those kind of things. 
But you've got to remind yourself today, you've got a new name, a new identity, and a new destiny. In order to get to the promised land, the freedom of Christ, you've got to go through a Gilgal. I want to say that. You've got to go through a Gilgal. What do I mean by that? Gilgal means a rolling away. You've got to have that stone rolled away. You've got to have those grave clothes rolled away off of your life. You've got to have a freedom. The children of Israel were standing. They had just seen a miracle. God had opened the Jordan River. They had just walked through. They were now standing in their promise, but there was something that was still facing them. It was Jericho, a massive city, a massive obstacle. So their next step, They're not really entered into the promise. They're on the shores. They're on the fringe. They're not living in the freedom of God. God had to do something in Gilgal. We're not going to demonstrate this. Thank you very much. There had to be a circumcision. That symbolized a separation. There had to be a separation because what was happening was they had carried all the traditions of Egypt. They had carried all the traditions from all the world that they had gone through, the places. They were carrying all that thing and they were expecting to take that into the promise. And God said, if you're now going to step into the promise, there's got to be a cutting away. There's got to be a separation. There's got to be a consecration that takes place. Look what it says in Joshua 5 verse 9. This day, God says, this day, now there is no condemnation. This day, God says, I have rolled away the reproach of Egypt from you. I have rolled away, God says, your if-onlys today. Because every path, to the promise of God, must go through a Gilgal. It's got to go through a place where you separate your life and say, that's not who I am any longer. I'm a new creation. I'm a brand new man. I may not always feel it, but I've got to start living it. And I've got to start walking it. Because now in Christ, I'm no longer defined by what I did wrong. I'm defined by what Christ did right. 2 Corinthians 6 verse 17, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is in Christ, if anyone is walking in Christ, if anyone is spirit walking each and every day, the Bible says he is, she is a new creation. The old has passed away. There's death. There's death. Those things have passed away. Passed away means death. I did a funeral this week and they said someone has passed away. They have died. It's gone. You need to quit doing CPR to the things that need to be dead in your life. Too many of us are leaving here and saying, where's it? Chuck, (laughs) trying to shock those things and breathe those things back to life. God says they're dead and they need to stay dead in your life. Why? Because the old things need to die so the new things can live. Let me say that away. God says the old has to die so the new can't live. I'm believing today. I'm believing through this month the old is going to die in people's lives. The if only regrets of life are going to die and we're not going to get your lips off those things trying to breathe life into something that's dead that we can step into the what ifs. The possibilities of God. Jesus came to put your past in its place. The past. Did you catch that? Jesus came to put your past in its place. The past doesn't belong right now with you. It's in the past. It's gone. It's over. We've got to leave it there. Why? Romans 8 verse 1. I've got to end with this. There is therefore now no 
condemnation. As we confess our sins, He is faithful and just. There's no condemnation to forgive us and to cleanse us. Today, before you can step into your what-ifs, you've got to get past your if-onlys. And that crossroads is the cross of Christ. It's the cross of Christ. It's the cross of Christ that turns your if-only regrets into what-only, what-if possibility. Listen to me, the cross wasn't just a penalty that was paid for you and I. And what a penalty, what a price. It wasn't just the penalty that was paid. It's also the righteousness of Christ being accredited to your account. Listen, he didn't just pay the penalty. He credited righteousness once again to your account. The cross isn't just forgiveness and what great forgiveness it is. He didn't just die to forgive you. He died to change you. To make you everything He purposed for you to be. It's time that you start walking in the Spirit of God and no longer fulfill the lusts of the flesh. And how can we do that? Only through the cross. Only through His sacrifice. Only through Him. Would you stand to your feet all over this place right now? Just bow your heads as you stand. I don't want no one looking around. This is your moment. This is your time with God right now. Come on right now. You know those things that you maybe even came in carrying right now. Those things that you've been reminded of today. What are we going to do today? We're going to leave those things at the cross today. We're going to step into the new possibilities and the new horizons of Christ. I'm going to be a new creation. I'm going to be a brand new man. As every head is bowed and every eye is closed, I want to ask you today, how many people want to step into your freedom? I want to know how many people today want to step into the freedom. Oh, what are other people going to think? Oh, other people are going to just think you're getting free. That's okay. Don't worry about what other people think because they're not the ones that has to live with your regrets every day. Don't worry about what other people, that can be the biggest regret of your life, thinking and worrying about what other people say more than God. Listen to me, God wants to set you free in this place today. There's freedom in Christ today. I said there's freedom in Christ today. I'm going to open these altars right now and all over this place. People right now, you know who you are. You're not living in that complete freedom of Christ. Come on, you better start coming all over this place because we're coming back to the cross. We're coming back to a place of surrender. We're giving our lives to Him afresh right now. We're falling prostrate before Him. We're coming. Come on, would you begin to come all over this place right now? I know there's needs in this life right now. Come on, just would you begin to we would like to thank you for listening to this message today we pray that your life has been challenged by what you've heard but we also know it will be changed as you put god's word into effect at heart sees family life church our doors are always open to help if you need any more information or just a friend to listen We are here. Call us at 225-274-1607 or email us at pastorp at hflc.us. Remember, put God first in your life and everything you do will prosper. We look forward to seeing you soon. God bless.